Welcome, Spartans, to Podcast Evolved, your home for Halo. I'm your host, Will, from HGS Pro Talk, and with me today is Colin and Aaron. This week, we launch our latest Evolved series, Infinite Impressions. This is, will be our initial impressions with myself, Colin, and Aaron. Hey, this is weird. Why are you hosting? <laughs> I thought I'd show up, you know. This is so good. I'm so excited to talk about this one game that we've been waiting a minute or two for. Halo Inf- Infinite? Inf- I don't know. What is it, Aaron? I, I don't know. It's some sort of ongoing Halo sounds dodgy. Probably not great. It's, it's like a mobile port, right? Oh, yes. No, actually, you're right. This is the sequel to Spartan Strike. The one we've all been waiting for. <laughs> to everyone's favorite tablet Halo game. <laughs> Everyone remember that. No, jokes aside, yeah, we are here for Halo Infinite. But before we get into Halo Infinite, I will tackle the socials and then we're going to devote all of our time to this. So if you're new to the show, welcome to Podcast Evolved. We host a variety of shows. This is not our main. I was going to say that it says here this is our main show, but this is not. This is our new show, uh, Infinite Impressions. We have retired the road to Infinite in the character dossiers. You may remember them fondly when they stretched for an extra unexpected year that we had not planned for. (laughs) We also have a number of other shows. We have Mission Debrief, which will be coming back now that there are missions and things to do again. We have Bills with Blocks, the Halo Book Club, and we have Halo Headlines. We also have a partnership with the guys over at HCS Pro Talk. Who are they? Never heard of them. Hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I have no idea who those guys are. Is that like multiplayer stuff? Yeah, yeah, competitive. Weird. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know anyone that plays Halo for the multiplayer. That's a strange one. <laughs> but yes, you can go and listen to Josh and Will. They have plenty of thoughts on Halo multiplayer now that it's here. Uh, w- sum up Halo multiplayer's current status in as few words as possible. What do you think? Good or bad? If I just had to go on a good or bad, I'm going to say it's good. You know, there's, there's something surrounding it that, that can improve, but we have a great baseline to start off with, and I'm, I'm excited for the future multiplayer. There we go. That's what we need. Good, positive stuff. I think everything for this has been pretty positive, so as we'll get talking in a minute, it's, it's a good time to be a Halo fan. You can learn more about all of our shows if you visit our website. That's halopodcastevolve.com. If you're already a fan, we would ask you to take a moment and leave us a review and a rating on your podcast service of choice. We appreciate all the feedback. And we'd also like to take a minute to thank all of our patrons for your continued support. Thank you very much, guys. You help us make everything we do possible. If you would like to find out what rewards and benefits you can get for being a patron, go to patreon.com forward slash Halo Podcast Evolved to learn more. And finally, we would encourage all of our listeners to also support us through Audible. You can go to audibletrial.com forward slash podcast evolved and you can start a free trial with them today and help support the show. They've got a variety of things, including all of the Halo audiobooks. You can go and have a listen. We have a Halo audiobook. When's our next book coming? Not to the summer. It was delayed, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it's May-ish now. March or May. One of the M's. May sounds familiar, so that'll be the next one. But uh, go and absolutely have a listen and enjoy some audiobooks today. Do you know what's also on Audible? Halo Survival, which is our audio drama that Tom and I wrote. Oh, is that on Audible too? I don't know why it's on there. <laughs> I think Ian did some magic. <laughs> Yeah, they host a lot of podcast stuff now, so we can uh, 
Yeah, Ian's very on top of those things. I would never even think to try and do that. Yeah, it's I mean it's free, obviously, but uh, yeah, check that out too. That's that was that's a fun fun project. And knowing now what we know about Halo Infinite, I feel like we could maybe do some more things with it. Yeah, go go and listen to that, and then you can go and listen to those copycats at three four three who did their own audio drama after we did it, and it was cool. They also released one on Spotify, but we beat them to it. That's the important thing to remember. We did. That's right. Oh, that that's out now, isn't it? Is it? Do you have to pay to get it? No, it's free. There are five or six episodes. They're all about ten minutes each. I gave it a listen. There, it's not too bad. Like it's uh, not overly consequential to anything really in Infinite. It's just a nice little fifty minutes. Okay. Get to carry on again. So it's worth it. Listen to if you're sitting running around the open world. Right. We will dive into this, will we? Yeah, let's uh, let's discuss our initial impressions here. So we'll start off. Are you guys having fun in the Infinite Campaign? That's. I feel like that's not even a loaded question. I feel like it's just yes, right? It's just, <laughs> it's a ton of fun. Um, so I'm going to, so I'll give a little perspective on where I'm at. So I've, I did finish the campaign, so I know things. I did a little internet searching, so I know some things beyond and some speculation but we're, we're going to keep the conversation tight and we're going to keep it about just the first four missions today and then just kind of you know some open world stuff so um, i f- finished the campaign uh, my first playthrough was normal and i'm going back through on heroic now and i pretty much mainlined the 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 story because i felt like i wanted to be actually this is came from Oren. this is Oren's idea I wanted to feel like I was saving the universe, right? Like I had to go do the thing and I, I ran into a few things along the way because they were on my path. It's like some of the uh, the exploration stuff, but I kind of, I didn't, didn't do much of it. It was just the first playthrough. And now that I've done that, I'm going to go back and, and do everything. But it's, it's so much fun just having this open world people are, they had talked about it being kind of like a Zelda type experience, right? But with John Halo is amazing and I love it. Aaron, tell me about your thoughts. So far, I'm actually quite enjoying it. Now, I will say that my first play of it was yesterday. I was just finished a very, very long shift in work. I decided, oh, I'm going to start this on Heroic. I got all the way through to the fourth mission. I tackled the boss. I died about 15 times. I nearly put my boot through the TV. And I then... (laughs) restarted on normal because we're going to give some tips along this as we go but tip number one if you need to change the difficulty exit out of your game and then when you go back to the campaign option instead of continuing go to load game there are four save file slots there when you go to load your game you can change the difficulty and change the skulls because i had listened to several podcasts who insisted that you couldn't change the difficulty once you had started a campaign run you were stuck on it That is not the case. That would have saved me two and a half hours of my life. Although I still would have been trapped in the room with that boss. So when I restarted on normal, I powered through the first couple of levels and now I'm just like going around the open world and I think I'm now fully upgraded on shields and grapple shot and it's been making life a lot easier. So no, I've been having an awful lot of fun just like going through that open world getting up onto a mountain. Also, fun little side fact, I traded in my Xbox One X for a Series S 
I made a last minute call that I decided I can't get a Series X anywhere. They just can't be found. But I still wanted to like have a little bit more next gen feel to it. So I picked up a Series S and so far it's been serving me pretty well. Like my TV's not 4K so that probably really helps a lot. But I've stuck it on performance mode. It's nice and smooth. Like the detail's not there in the same way that it is when I've been looking at Tom's Series X screenshots that he's been sharing. But when you're standing on top of a mountain and you look out at the world in front of you, like it still looks pretty good. Overall, I'm positive so far. Loading times with with the upgraded console, either one, I think is just it's money's money's well spent, right? It's amazing. I hit the button on the controller, and by the time the TV turns on, it's at the dashboard. It's so quick. I I didn't realize just how much of my life was being spent watching that one loading screen over and over until you change, and then you see how quick it is, and you're like, oh, there's a tooltip. Oh, it's gone. Right. Okay. Fair enough. And then you're into the game. So. No, it's it's been nice. Like it's uh, it's also such a small console. Like I I don't want to talk too much about it, but it's so tiny. <laughs> so you've you've finished through the fourth mission, right? As a, in, like how many hours are you in now? I am seven and a half hours in. I checked just before I started, but I am going around the open world, so I am forty percent complete in that first sort of like two areas outside. Outpost Tremonius and the area with the tower. I think I've taken over every fob now and done all the collectibles. Wow, that's awesome. That's good. Where are you at, Will, with your playthroughs? So I, I can't tell you how many hours I have had in, but I actually had some vacation saved up and t- took off the launch date through the rest of the week uh, just to play some Halo Infinite. So I've I've beat the campaign. I'm going back. I will be starting a new save to I'm going to I want to re-enjoy that the story that we'll we'll get to here in a bit. Find some of the collectibles I I didn't get in the first few missions. So, I'm enjoying it immensely. You know, coming from a multiplayer guy, I this 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 campaign has just been incredible and I would say I've spent probably more than 20 hours in it already. That's amazing. So, yeah, I want to talk about well maybe we just talk about it a little bit right here because you brought it up. How different is the multiplayer gameplay from the campaign gameplay for you? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, with the with the multiplayer, it's it's constant go 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 because you're you're always in battle, right? You're you're facing off against other Spartans. Uh, depending on your skill level, uh, you might face players that are higher than you, lower than you. And games games don't often feel relaxed. Where the campaign. I can take my time, I can relax, I can do what I want in that campaign. And then just from the emotional standpoint of the what, what, what I've experienced in the campaign, it just hit me so hard uh, at times and I, I just, it grasped me. So it, it definitely, it's, it's two different worlds, the, the multiplayer versus campaign. So wait, did you play in Heroic? I played on normal to, go, to experience everything for the first time, not have it be incredibly difficult but still still enjoy it will you play legendary i gotta work my way up to it but i i, I plan on getting there <laughs> right i mean you can handle it you're a multiplayer guy right sure, sure. yeah <laughs> i feel like it's always a struggle for a story story guys to be like all right here we go deep breaths <laughs> i gotta like get all sweaty gotta get the adrenaline up one more thing on the um multiplayer comparison and um i'm actually curious 
of Aaron's input too, is there was a moment when I was playing the campaign and I was like, oh, this is what the Ravager is for. <laughs> it's like in multiplayer and maybe you have a different thought, but I, I feel I'm terrible with the Ravager in multiplayer. But in the campaign, it's like, okay, I get it. It's got some splash damage. The enemies don't move around as much so they can kind of kill them over time with that, uh, you know, that flame or whatever was left on the ground. Did you have any moments like that, Will? Yeah, again, with the the same weapon, the Ravager. Um, in multiplayer, it's not that effective, but I found it was very effective against vehicles, against, yeah, those area of damage for enemies. It, it really shone in the in the campaign. And then the same thing with kind of like the shock rifle. You can It, it is impactful in multiplayer considering it's a one-shot headshot if you get a perfect with it. But as far as uh, campaign, you can disable vehicles, you can... Um, take out enemies with it pretty easily at range it it, it kind of has a different feel as well aaron did you have any thoughts like that any like weapons that weren't really working great in in multiplayer but in campaign like oh okay i'm into it i have i'm actually just trying to find the name of it right now because it's a particular version of it but the disruptor is the one for me that has really like the calcine disruptor so that is one that comes from one of your, uh, what do they call them? It's High value person. targets? High value target. I was going to say person of interest, but it's not one of them. The ordinary disruptor, it's one I never touched in multiplayer. I'm like, I just didn't sort of see the purpose of it, really. I'd used it the odd time in bots. But when you get this high value target version of it, it's pretty much one shot for a grunt two shots on a jackal i think three shots on an elite will kill them and if you like wow hit four on a brute they die but they almost like shoot into the air when it happens oh funny wow such a powerful weapon when you use it and that's something like i just wouldn't have used at all and the same with the like it's not strictly a weapon but the grapple it's not something i'm very good with in multiplayer but i'm zooming around at the minute in campaign i'm electrocuting people i'm doing that like spartan slam punch thing with it like it just it's a completely different animal when you're running around the campaign with it yeah that's been my one so far that i really just noticed a big difference with what about equipment because the repulsor is not in the campaign but that was interesting i was shocked by that because i thought it would be fun to you know, repulse grenades back at enemies, fu- whatever the fusion coils that are around, you know, throw those around. But I was I was a little disappointed that it wasn't in campaign. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're all right. It's like, I don't consider that a spoiler. Okay. <laughs> what do I have? Grapple shot, threat sensor, and the shield upgrades. So what are the other two then? Is it active camo? Nope. Uh, you get the drop wall and then thrust. Oh, I wonder, was Repulsor specifically thought up for multiplayer, or was it one of these things that we've heard didn't make the cut into the final campaign? Because there's been some information out this week about apparently they had to cut two-thirds of the game. So I was looking at that article. That's from a Bloomberg article, just to just to get everybody on the same page. Uh, a Bloomberg article, and that was in reference to 2019. So in 2019 is what it said. The team had made the decision that they needed to cut a big chunk of the game in order to get it ready for the 2020 launch. And then after the 2020 demo, then they that's when they decided, okay, we need some more time. 
and I don't know if that's just part of game development. Like I would imagine every game starts giant and they got a trim, but it was interesting that the author didn't say specifically like, which is a normal thing from game development. You know, it was just like, Oh, they decided to chop off a giant chunk of the game to get her, get her out the door. But regardless, I feel like like we'll probably see that stuff eventually. Maybe. I'm wondering, is it when you stand on the map and look off into the distance, you know, where you can see the crash guardian and all that, like all of those islands, for lack of a better word, have an awful lot of detail to them from a distance. I wonder, is that stuff the stuff that maybe got cut, but it's still there as part of like a skybox? I would I would hope down the line like we could get more of that because that would be awesome. Yeah, maybe we'll cover off on some of that at the end of the episode if we're not running too long. It's kind of like speculation on, on, on stuff that we want still. Any, let's see here. Why don't we go to... Just talk about the general, so the open world feel. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, I'll throw it over to to Will on this one. Just talk about, you know, we normally play Halo in a straight line. You know, there's little corridors we go off to on the side or we go around things sometimes. Or we don't always have to, to take everybody out in the mission. But, you know, the goal is is linear. And, and it's still linear here. You know, it's a, it's a video game, so you still the end goal. But... There's the point after the second mission where it opens up and it and it it, it feels like I mean there was a comparison was out there on the web that feels kind of like Zelda you know like you just zipping around going exploring looking crannies there's lots of Easter eggs to find there's lots of cool encounters how did how did that come across Will when you first kind of stepped foot on the the Zeta. Well, I, I like that they kind of reveal it to you in portions, right? So you don't get everything at once because I feel like that would have been overwhelming. But I, I, I really enjoy having the kind of side things to do. You get to experience what's going on on this ring outside of the standard missions. I, I, I'm not certain where Aaron is with uh, some of the extras that pop up. So I don't want to go too too much in depth here. But there's just... There's a lot to do, a lot to bring you back to the game, which which I love. It's not just the story and the, the same, you know, 10 missions that you usually get, 10, 15 missions. You have other other items that will uh, you know, develop this world that, that in every other story that's going on. Yeah. Aaron, what did you think? So far, it feels good. Like, that's the thing that hit me straight away was you just like, you run around this open world and it doesn't feel unnecessary or anything like i know some people will probably argue about how many activities are in it or what they're like or the rest of it but like i've been running around rescuing uh stranded squads looking for the cosmetic stuff finding audio logs unlocking the forward operating bases and that and all of it's felt really cool i even randomly stumbled across one of the artifact collectibles that you have to scan yeah that was pretty neat huh i stumbled across that as well i was a little annoyed that when i found my second one and scanned it as i was walking away from it weapons dialogue was cut short because we came across something else and she decided to announce that instead and i didn't have time to read the last of the subtitles so it was just me shouting at the tv going no repeat that last line (laughs) repeat it but she didn't 
Oh, it wasn't an audio log, though. So it was her commenting on it? Yeah, she was. I scanned it and she was like, oh, this is interesting. I was like, oh, I'm picking up a distress beak. And I was like, no, get back to the interesting part. Because I just saw like <laughs> the next couple of words in the subtitles and then they disappeared. But no, I've enjoyed it so far. My, I've found my favorite thing to do at the minute is to load up a Razorback with five Marines with Sentinel beams and then just cruise around the map and destroy people. <laughs> They are absolute, like, when you talk about someone laser beaming in, like, multiplayer, you know, they're hitting all their shots. And those those Marines in the back of the Razorback do that with the Sentinel Beam. It just makes perfect sense. Oh, they are so lethal. It's ridiculous. And you're just, you're driving around. I did a mission. It was one of the factory things. I'll not say which one. But we pulled up to the gate. We killed everyone outside the gate. And then I was like, oh, shit, I can't drive in here. So I had to jump over the gate, open the gate get everyone back in the Razorback, and I just very slowly drove in a circle around all the paths in the base, and we just lasered everyone one by one. Someone would pop out from behind a box, and then they would just burst into flames and disappear. <laughs> that's that's just how we completed that mission. So I don't know to what extent, but back just back to the Bloomberg article again, um, if you read it, great. Joe Staten is in there, and he talks about like what what a year could get Halo Infinite, like what what they could get out of it, how how they could enhance the game, and that was one thing that specifically cited is like is more or less Adventures with Marines. Is um, previously bef- um, the game was in a state where you'd save the Marines, you know, like in all those spots that they have them, and you get you know a little valor for it. Apparently, after you saved them, they just stayed there. They didn't like come with you on your adventure. So that was one of the kind of the AI enhancements or whatever that that was focused on. And that that that's a huge part of Halo. Like if we didn't have that, we wouldn't have these you know that adventure that that Aaron just described. And that's something that you you always have. You know, we going back to CE, having your Marines along and then dying along the way. You know, that just kind of happens, right? But, um, but having them there to help you along the way is such a big part of Halo. Yeah, and I, I love that with these extra adventures, the, the open-worldness allows for different approaches, right? Um, I mean, with me probably going into that same base, I, was, I, I probably jumped over. I tried to be more stealthy at first, crouching around, you know, mailing some grunts until things broke loose, you know? And I love that, you know, he thought to load up a Razorback and, and get it in there. And I'm just trying to solo the whole thing running through it. You know, that's, 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 that's kind of what I love about this open world. Kind of, it's, it, it opens the sandbox to even more. The other thing that it now makes sense, but remember, I think it was the 2018, like the tone piece that they released at E3, where it was just like the warthog driving around the open world and that like the animals and all that sort of stuff there wasn't any gameplay or any story or anything it was just kind of like this is kind of what we're doing now and then thinking about that um and and a couple other marketing pieces that it all kind of makes sense okay they had this this is what they were working on the whole time they just had to kind of ease us into that you know i don't know if it would have gone over as well if they didn't do that along the way but it's such a different take on halo but it's it's so welcome it's so necessary i feel like to bring halo up to this place it just feels more modern right it's a it's a more modern take and it's not an open it's not a completely open world there's no crafting and there's no other stuff and you can just mainline the story you don't need all the upgrades that you get with the cords and stuff like that they come in handy you don't need to take out all the the high value targets but that's just stuff that you can do and i feel like they're gonna continue to refine this world for us over the next you know 10 years that they've talked about 
you mentioned crafting and I suddenly have visions of Master Chief going around collecting flowers and like body parts from grunts to make a, a bigger <laughs> grenade satchel or something. <laughs> that would be that would be a little weird. I'm glad they left out things like that or collecting scrap parts from sentinels to upgrade your ammo storage or something. Like they could have very easily gone a little too Assassin's Creedy with this and I think it would have hurt things. They just they have the right amount of things to do and open world to trundle about without making it too sort of overwhelming. And there's a lot of I, I think they also like they make it worth your while to explore the open world because I've roamed around randomly and you'll find a Forerunner cave and you'll go through it and you'll find a room and there'll be something there. Like I found a few Easter eggs and stuff so far while I was just out and nosying about the place. They're so good, the Easter eggs. Yeah, there's there's quite a few. Like I've seen a lot of people listing them here and there. So I'll, I'll name one of them because I love it. And it's right after uh, Tremonius. But did you find the arcade? I did. Oh, so good. That one I missed. Okay, it's right. There's like a cave behind Outpost Tremonius that you go into, and then it's just got an arcade machine that's, that's to, so you could play Halo Infinite in arcade. I mean, it doesn't play. It just has the like the eight bit music, and I think it's featured in the multiplayer map somewhere. Yep, it's in streets. Uh, it's a call out for arcade because there's two arcade machines back there. So, yep. Has anyone grappled their way all the way to the top of the tower? Yes. There is a Easter egg up there. I didn't know if I should go into it. Uh, well, we'll just call spoilers, and if people don't want to know, they can not listen, but fast forward a bit. But yeah, go for it. All right, so there is a there is a world tour of Craig poster up on top of the uh, the tower uh, after the fourth mission. It's got a little like makeshift microphone stand and like a guitar there, and there's a little record on the on the the ground, and it's got like. A bunch of references to all the Craig memes that were created, and it was oh, I, I love that they added that in there. They played into the internet, you know, creating all the memes around Craig the Brute. So it was beautiful. It's got a, uh, I think it's like a tour, like a like a tour show, you know, like a listing of all the the cities you go to. So it's listing of all the, I think the um, the little outposts that are around. So it like lists all of them off. Like he's going to go play, you know, rock out at those outposts or something. It's very good. Very. Yeah. Loved it. And there's another one. So we'll stay on the spoiler for a second. I don't know. I mean, it's not really a huge spoiler, but some of the other Easter eggs are the little plushies that you find around. Yes. I don't know if you can get an achievement or anything off of that. I haven't gone that deep, but there are little plushies of characters all around the world and it's delightful to find them. Yeah, I found I found a few on my own, and I'm I'm trying to stay. I'm I, I wanted to experience the world myself as much as possible without like looking at videos to go find things or anything like that. It's probably going to become necessary at some point because it would just take way too long to explore every inch of this ring. But yeah, it's really cool when you're just you're on your way to something and you find something like that. Have we talked enough about the open world? Because I need to ask a question then. <laughs> yeah, go yeah, for it. Yeah, let's. What, what, what did we make of the intro cutscene? I, I just I need to talk about it. Yes, the intro. The intro is so where we left off, right? Where we left off in Halo Five. It has been eighteen months, right? Since Halo Five. Yes. But we've gotten up to about six months before. What what was the last date? It was like October, I think, of the previous year, twenty five fifty nine. 
and now we're in May of 2560. So there's maybe a little bit of wiggle room, but it's pretty much starts you in the middle of the infinity, just getting wrecked. And um, this battle in the middle of the infinity and John's, you know, fighting for his life. And then Atriox shows up. What the hell? <laughs> I, I did like the little sort of touch of it starts on the halo and it pans around and you see the nose of the ship and it's very combat evolved for a second. And then this banished dreadnought smashes through the top of the infinity and like, oh no, this is this is not count combat evolved. This is fucked. And then you get Chief being all badass in the hangar bay and he's shooting covenant all over the place and or covenant banished all over the place and shit's just getting bad i do at least appreciate that he took a he took a hit from the energy mace better than red team managed with his new armor (laughs) i did notice that that he blocks that first shot and then he gets fired across the floor and winded and you're like yeah like red team were de-helmeted and fucked at this stage so at least that's like a sign that his armor has been upgraded a little bit like that entire fight he just to be fair like chief does get a few shots in but there's not a hope he's ever like punches him in the tummy a couple times <laughs> that's it <laughs> he's not taking atriox down in a straight fight that's for sure when he starts to get like ragdolled around and atriox is like swinging him into warthogs and hitting him off off railings and stuff and you're just like this is earth's mightiest warrior and he is completely outgunned here and then that like little bit when he chucks him out the airlock I did also notice at the start of that you see the dreadnought smash in. I didn't realize what made the hangar bay the hangar bay explode the first time I watched it. And then when you watch it back, just before it goes into the hangar bay, you see the dreadnought hit the infinity from the other side. And then at the end, as he throws Chief out the hangar bay, you see the explosion come through. So that dreadnought has smashed into the ship enough to blow the hangar bays up. Which I find interesting because then we get the bit a little further on with uh, we get the pilot stuff that we've seen before but then later they mention that like atriox is missing like we don't get any more closure that's the last thing we see so we don't actually know if the infinity was destroyed but it seems like they want you to think that well, one thing um, that we didn't mention in that open world exploration, so you have like high value targets and then you have, you can unlock multiplayer stuff and then there's the audio logs that are scattered all throughout. And so the audio logs, there is a specific story arc for the infinity. And I think that one is unlocked in order. Everything else is like you unlock and you kind of find them. Because if you look at the list, it's like, okay, I have one and then I have five and I have six. So I don't know if those those need to be listened to in order but the infinity ones seem to be unlocking for me in order and i think i have 10 of 11 right now maybe there's 12 so that will give you once you unlock those that'll give you the whole story at least as much as 343 wants to tell us about the infinity right now like where it's at and what happened to it but there also is an audio log specifically for it's kind of like where well eshiram who we'll meet here in a little bit um talks about kind of that attack well, I, that may be some other stuff that we hear, but the, the, so, so it was a coordinated attack and um, you kind of un- unravel what happens to the infinity um, as you go. It's a very good cutscene. I did notice as well some changes they've made to the pilot section. They, they tweaked up his family hologram and added his child in because I don't think 
you saw her in the original version. It was just like a weird sort of angle on his partner or wife, whoever. I think that was just a high, that was a high end rendering of it. And they just, yeah, they redid it a bit for the gameplay. Because I don't think you ever saw the child before. So like you see the child now instead of hearing this like off camera voice. Yeah, no, just seeing the Infinity get smashed up again. That's just my first thought was for fuck's sake, lads. Just let the ship have five minutes without putting a hole in it or crashing it into something. Yeah, it gets messed up, but it needs to, I think, right? I mean, based off of where where they're taking the story, like the they, the banished needed to show their strength. I feel like that. I mean, that's the reason that everybody's scattered around, right? So we find that a little bit on the the next mission. Any any other thoughts on that first mission, Will? That you want to chime in on? Well, just the the intro cut scene up into the point before you know when when Chief is cast out. Yeah, it just. The the way it looked, the way everything played out, it just it got you ready for what's to come, and you kind of like like oh we're 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 in this now like it it, it just it was great I I feel like the intro cut scene really set the tone for the game. They show the chip too, you know, so obviously that that's a thing, and then Chief grabs for it, and then he gets just messed up. <laughs> <laughs> but then yeah, meeting the pilot is interesting. We've seen that stuff coming up, you know. Um, uh, up to this point to release so we've seen most of that and then there was a point where you actually do get into the warship is it um Gabaka, Gabrakan, where it was in one of the demos or one, one of the the cutscenes that they shown us to and where chief is kind of flying through swimming through the space and grabbing weapons and all that sort of stuff which is great and then it does it 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 that originally ends where like you think the mission starts and Oh, that is indeed where the mission starts, right? Where he gets his boots on the ground and is in the warship, which is pretty rad. Aaron, what did you think about finally getting control of Chief in the warship there? It's a good standard mission. Like that's this mission and the next mission are fairly straight linear Halo missions. You're going room to room, corridor to corridor, fighting banished and taking people out. You're getting access to weapons. You're testing out your stuff. I did spend a little time exploring that like hangar bay for a while because there, where you sort of land, there's like a little tunnel off to the right that you can crawl up and get up to the next level. You can sort of play about with a grapple shot and get up to a couple of platforms to pick up guns and that. So I mostly shuffled about for a bit. I managed to find a BR and a shotgun and then I just started to work my way through the ship bit by bit to see what we were doing it took me a little while to figure out how to use the ammo refill crates that was something i it took a little bit of practice to figure out oh okay this is kinetic weapons this is what i need it's it's actually i don't mind it like it's a video gaming mechanic right where it's like okay there's this thing and just gives me bullets for the for a regular weapon but i don't mind it because then you don't have to go out and find specific br bullets or pistol bullets or whatever it's been I like some of the changes they've made to stuff like that. Like the fact now that if you have an energy sword and you pass over another energy sword, you just pick up its charge. You don't have to do that old thing where you juggle between the two of them to see which one has the higher percentage and then take it. And the same with plasma weapons, you know. I used the plasma pistol. Now, I've, there's a weapon I've never used in multiplayer and then I picked it up in the campaign and I was like, oh, this is probably sort of shite. And then you use it and you go, actually, it's all right. It's it's not awful, but because I had it and I kept killing grunts and then I was like, oh, 
it's always fully charged because I'm always killing people with plasma pistols and keeping it topped up. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's it's like I thought it was a fairly standard Halo mission. Clear your way to the room, push the button, blow up the two things. The thing that stood out for me was that like platforming section across the drop bay as you're running across the rooftops of the like buildings to get back to the Pelican again. Like I enjoyed that. I I died a few times because I hadn't figured out at that stage that the grapple shot has like a momentum to it. So I would grapple to the next thing but then i would fly over it and overshoot and miss the landing so that took a little while to figure out i did that a few times myself (laughs) you have to be very careful with that otherwise you just go wee yeah it's interesting because we haven't really talked about the grapple shot much um the fact that the multiplayer dropped early helped everybody get used to the grapple right I was going into my own custom games and just like Spider-Manning around live fire for a while just to get the feel. Yeah. Did you did you use that? I mean, I guess this is further down the road. We already talked about the equipment, but I feel like Grapple Shot is the standard equipment that you have, right? And then every once in a while you use the other things. Did you did you stick with Grapple Shot the whole way or most of the way? Uh yeah, yep. Definitely Grapple Shot was out 90% of the time and then yeah, I would switch it up if I needed something. Mainly uh, thrust was fun to use at times, but yeah, the uh, the grapple shot was the, the main go-to. I used um, threat sensor for the, obviously the active camo parts, and then um, I feel like the drop ball will come in handy on like legendary, so we'll see how that, how that all plays out when I finally get there. But what, what's your go-to, Aaron? It's, I think it's the same. It's really the grapple shot. I, like I said, I upgraded the shield straight away just because I wanted that extra protection. But I'm willing to, I'm going to make a bold statement here and say that I feel like the grapple shot would have to stay in Halo forever because if you remove it after this, it's never going to feel the same again. Yeah. If ever there was anything they introduced in Halo of any mechanic ever that has cemented itself in. It's this, like, you just, I don't think you could go back to Halo without it. Even if you were never in an outdoor open world Halo again, just to use it inside to, like, shoot around, to pick up weapons, to, like, fly into an enemy and punch them in the face. Boarding vehicles, the whole lot, it's just so good. And then once you upgrade it, like, that's something that multiplayer couldn't really prepare you for is how much better it is once you can do like the shock and the ground pound so us lore nerds when we learned about the grapple shot we were like well what the hell like we already have a a jet pack you know why don't we just get that now having you know experienced the world experienced the grapple shot and even thinking about like how would the jet pack work the jet pack wouldn't work for it, it it would be i wouldn't even use it at all if i had the choice i guess but if if you had the if you had a jet pack on your your Spartan, it'd be, it would feel clunky, right? The nice thing about the grapple shot is you're able to close the distance so so quickly and it feels powerful. Whereas like being able to float around and maybe fly to the next section, it would it just wouldn't feel right. I yeah, I can picture myself trying to scale a mountain with 
the jetpack thrusters and just like flying up a bit, missing the ledge, having to wait for it to recharge, go again. Whereas once you get that like speed upgrade on the grapple shot, you can scale any vertical surface. You just have to keep shooting it high enough up as soon as it recharges and you can scale anything. There's no, the only thing that will stop you will be a ledge that you didn't notice and hit with your head. But apart from that. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes so much sense in, well, it makes sense in the universe. And they did that little uh, marketing video for it, like how it was developed, which is cool. But then like, I can't imagine like actually climbing a wall with chief, you know, like again, back to Assassin's Creed, like that doesn't make a ton of sense. So this grapple fits perfectly. Imagine Master Chief climbing a wall, looking for the crack in it so he can like shimmy up it and then accidentally like <laughs> jumping the wrong way off the wall and falling. Oh, actually, while while I'm just about to mention falling, the lack of fall damage, when you jump off a giant mountain, I get that tight feeling in my stomach like I fucked up in Assassin's Creed and then you just thump the ground and carry on and it's the best thing ever. <laughs> yep. I know that feeling. I don't, I'm, heights aren't my friend, so whenever I fall on a video game, I'm like, oh boy, here we go. I get that feeling. Have you guys experienced the mechanic where if you do fall too fast, your grapple shot will not grab a ledge? Oh, I haven't. Nah. Because I, I jumped off a, um, a side of like one of the um, forerunner structures and I tried to grab it again on my way down and it's like no there's like you you get like the an audio cue that you're falling faster and you will you will not grab a ledge as you go by if, I, if I'm falling and there's nothing around me I'll grapple the ground to like bring me in at a nice pace it seems to be working yeah that yep that that will work I think it's if you're trying to like grapple upwards and lift yourself up it won't take I think there that would be the perfect place for the repulsor with it you could repulse down to slow yourself and then grapple back up like something like that would have been the extra level that would add uh, moving around would be cool anyway i think i sidetracked us again off the mission (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was just gonna say the last thing i was gonna say about the initial mission was that it feels like a a better version of the of the first mission in halo 4 where you know you're in the fort and i mean i love that mission but like the at least the escape part the very end like it feels a lot grander and you know the explosions and all this it takes a little longer when you're getting off the uh off the warship so i feel like it's a better version of that halo 4 4 mission yeah i can see that a couple things i wanted to add too for that first mission uh we get a lot of gameplay directly into cutscene moments which are just beautiful I think they integrated them perfectly. And then um, I'll just say I I love the Eshram speech. Eshram's very good throughout the entire game. So for those of you that haven't finished it, you have, you have some good stuff to look forward to. But his introduction, and I was trying to think about this, is like from a person that ha- doesn't play Halo, and you're probably not listening to this podcast if you don't, but they, they do throw a lot of like villains at you. You know, there's just kind of a lot. But if how how was that? Well, without kind of going past Mission 4, how was that to absorb from like a non-story aficionado? So you're you're saying just like the like the ba- the banish getting thrown at us? Because you have Atriax at the beginning and then you have Eshram in the middle and like they're kind of, for those two specifically, like, well, which one do I care about, right? Right. And that, that was a little difficult off the rip just because we get the first introduction of Atriox and I... I known about Atriax from Halo Wars 2, 
uh, I've gotten some background information. I did play through all the campaigns leading up to this. So yeah, there, there was a little confusion, but then there, there is a voice line in that first mission about Atrax that realized that made me realize like, okay, Ashram's the guy to focus on now. So I think they did a, did a decent job. Well, Aaron, you probably were tracking, I would imagine. Fairly well. I do feel like, yeah, they do throw a lot at you. Like if you go, I say you get, even from just the bit I've played so far, you get Atriox, you get Eshram, you get, uh, is it Tremonius? He's in that bit at the start because he's in that cutscene. You get Jaga, he's there. He decloaks and becomes visible. Then you get Chaklock uh, as well. So you have him in the tower. They do sort of throw a lot of guys around and you're sort of going like, what all's going on? But they also do a fairly good job, I feel like, of kind of explaining it through audio because I'm pretty sure in one of those holograms that's playing, you hear Eshram talking about how Atriox was his best student and all of this. So like you get, I feel like they drop enough info as you go along to piece together kind of what you're doing and who everyone is. Yeah, I think so. I mean, again, we're deep in the lore, so but for the, for the most part, I feel like they did, they did a pretty good job. Let's talk about the next mission foundation. They jump, we jump over, so we do the thing, we scuttle the ship and then we get we free the pelican and the, the next mission we need to go get the weapon. Um, we get a little bit of a, a cutscene about like the infinities here. There's like a whole bunch of people that were there and then Oh, that that was the other thing because I rewatched this cutscene recently. So they, so Chief is asking about the Infinity, and the, the computer model says we don't know what what's up with the Infinity. And then he says, "Scan the immediate area," and then it scans the immediate area, and then it says, like you know, wherever the Pelican is at that moment, that's where like all these people that were on the Infinity are dead. And it was like you know a thousand, almost two thousand bodies. So that was kind of interesting. So I can see that getting a little confusing. But um, and then the essentially the main goal here is to go get the the thing that is missing from the little chip that you stick in your head, uh, which is the weapon. Is there anything to talk about up into up into finding the weapon in this mission? I mean, it's a cool area and we'll probably do a deep dive on this and mission debrief and stuff like that. It feels mysterious. Um, any thoughts on, on stepping foot in this area, Will? Just from the the scale of it, it was astonishing to look at for me. The the just the structures they built, the forerunner uh, detail that they had, I thought it was really good. But yeah, nothing nothing really jumped out to me about this other than having to get through it. <laughs> it felt felt very forerunnery, like it's introducing you to kind of that whole that whole look and feel. And I think they nailed the aesthetic, right? Like it's amazing. People talk about the forerunner doors, and they are top notch. <laughs> the forerunner doors and the corridors. The best way I can, the best compliment I can give it is it feels like a good mix of old Halo 4Runner stuff and like Halo 4 vibe 4Runner stuff. The, the, it feels like they sort of mixed together because it's bigger, more cavernous and darker, kind of like how Halo 4 was, but you have those very familiar doors and textures and things, sort of like Combat Evolve, but it's a nice space. Um... I mean, the Forerunner aesthetic is like cold, pristine, polished, like... Reflective blue. Reflective. <laughs> yeah. Those are all the things you need. And then you get to like that... 
you get to the room with the weapon with the platform and they have the the boxes with the neon logos on them and you're like what the hell is this because they're very sneaky about that because when they showed us the cutscene you don't see there are no like drawings on the back of those what do we call them silexes so they're only visible from the outside as you walk in you know like what are these weirdly human shaped icons on these floating boxes and then you get to the platform in the middle and you get the big like holographic whoosh and then you get this cutscene that we've seen before where you're introduced to the weapon right yes and she's very peppy and she doesn't know much which is i think interesting you know we, we find out more stuff down the road but again we'll we'll deep dive into the story on other podcasts but she's she is like hey you know it's been six months where you been dude let's hang out again and she tells you the kind of the plot stuff that like she did her job but she's still around and john but john knows that he needs her to accomplish the goal right like he knows like she's coming in but then a lot of the story to come is kind of like it's not Cortana. Do I, can I trust you? All that sort of fun stuff. So I think they do a really good job throughout of um, kind of that, that relationship is the, is the main crux, right? Of the main driver of the story. But what do you think about the weapon in general, Will? Did you think she's uh, Cortana enough? Do you think she's like, or, or unique enough? Do you think she's too much like Cortana? Like, what do you think about her? I, I'll, I guess I'll start with, um, I, th- I think they did a good job introducing introducing you to her and her not having information makes you kind of like question what's what's up with her. Does she? I guess I didn't think about. I guess she has her own quirks, right? I'm not sure. I don't. I guess I don't. I never know knew how to feel about is she Cortana enough or not? Or like it's just another AI. We know that. I guess I, I'm not going to say anything beyond that. Another AI. <laughs> um, and I don't. I, I'm. I feel like we're gonna get more more story uh, down the line about things that will happen, and I'm just curious to see where they take it from where we are. We got the. I think this is just the beginning, an, another storyline, and uh, I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm kind of up in the air about it. I guess. Then I don't. I don't really know. Well, again, well, you know, like there's a there's there's more to find out if you're you know beyond this first couple missions. I I mean I t- I tend to like her. There's like the the. Uh, humor effect you know like so she does help keep things light and kind of the combination of her and the pilot and chief and the chief end up cracking some jokes here and there throughout so i think I, I like her personality and we've talked about in halo in general like you need that that human personality that john doesn't have <laughs> that is somehow in the robot and is in the ai to offset you know his his deadpan kind of okay just go 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 destroy 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 that's what i I love too is that in in this instance in in Halo the human is more robotic than the AI right like it's it's just such a awesome dynamic I will say the only thing so far I have been upset with her about because overall I feel like they're going very much for that combat evolved Cortana quippy witty pleasant but at no point so far in all the caves I've been in has she said this cave is not a natural formation and I'm <laughs> I'm slightly disappointed because at one point when you're when you're leaving the foundations on the platform and she's talking and Chief's asking her about like the voices he can hear in the air and she's like, Oh no, this isn't Cortana, this is just Dustin Echoes and he's like, What? 
what did you say? And you're like, oh, okay, come on. And then they had another one of those teases later where I called in a Razorback and the pilot flies in. He's like, ETA and that Razorback very soon. And I'm like, oh, you bastard. You know what I was waiting for there. And you didn't do it. They do that a lot. It's so good. The last part of this level, I think, is my most memorable part of it. It's just before the fight with Tremonius. When you come into this last room, I don't know about you guys, but the first thing I thought is you walk in through the door and the room slopes up to the right and the left. Gave me vibes of the room, the first area in combat evolved where you turn on the light bridge. Like That was the first area I thought of with this was just oh, you can run up along the walls and go up along these ledges at the side, take out the jackal snipers. And I really did, if I'd have got to the end of that like top area and found a platform to turn on a bridge, it wouldn't have surprised me. And then you go to the lift and you summon Tremonius and then you have to kick his ass. And he's not too bad. I feel like he, was, he wasn't too bad on Heroic. I mean, he'll probably, I mean, it's the first boss thing, so... But um, it's a good introduction to what what those encounters are going to be. Yeah. How do you feel about the introduction of like bosses with health bars? Personally, I'm good with it. I mean, I'm it's a video game at the end of the day, and I'm I'm used to playing games like Division or I think Destiny has health bars, right? Or, or there's lots of games that have health bars, so I, I think it's a welcome introduction to Halo because it's it's just the bosses, right? Like everyone else dies with a couple head, a headshot or, you know, two headshots because you got to break the armor first like you're expecting. So I don't need health bars on everybody, but a health bar on a boss fight feels feels good to me. I liked it for the fact that there's, you know, you could use a plasma weapon and see how much more damage that does to a shield versus a BR or, you know, vice versa with, you know, you're all of a sudden down to the, the health bar and the plasma pistol's not doing anything anymore. Okay, well, now I know I need to switch it up and I think uh, they they had stated somewhere that this was kind of like a, a spiritual reimagining. It kind of gives new players coming into Halo that uh, that idea too, uh, that they can learn that certain weapons do certain damage. Yeah, and I feel like, and maybe this is somebody's probably going to do a breakdown of of these encounters eventually. But it felt to me like certain bosses, like their shield was really hard to get through. But when I got through their shield, then they died pretty quickly. And then there was others where their shield would go down fairly quickly, but then they could take a lot of damage themselves. So I, I kind of liked how how they they did that. And then if you left the boss alone too long while you were regrouping, their shield would go back up. Yeah, there'd be. I think there'd be a lot of like tricks and tips. It'll be the same as when people figured out you could cheese the final Warden Eternal fight and launch yourself out of the arena and avoid all three of them. I'm curious to see what people figure out about this and when it'll be, oh, if you grapple shot to the ceiling and hide on this ledge, he won't see you and you can kill him or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed that stuff. Like the Tremonius one was grand. I figured out very quickly you can go down the sides of that map to the, t- there's like an underpass. And when you go there, he can't do his lunge attack and then you can just shoot him. Nice. Yeah, the lunge attack is intense, especially if you don't know it's coming. Like, he travels a long ways. Oh, he does. That that was the first thing. I saw him coming and was going, oh, shit, grapple shot away, and that was the, the start of it. I, I want to talk really quickly. Sorry, I, I missed my joke window, but with the Silexes, I felt like I was one of the Silex should have Han Solo, like frozen in carbonite in, in there. <laughs> 
you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there is an Easter egg if you can grapple somewhere and there's like a Silex that has a picture of something on it, right? I, I that would be really cool. Somebody found a rat. I don't know if it was real or not, but I would be willing to bet if you stand in that room where they're rotating long enough, you will probably find that one of those Silexes has something stupid on it. There's there's a lot of them revolving around that platform. You've got to wait there for a while to see, and they're like four layers deep or whatever, so you'd be there for a while, but I bet I bet you there's a few. This next one, I feel like there's only one thing of importance to really talk about, because it's Outpost Tremonius sets up the standard, this is how you take an FOB, but the one thing you get when you go through it is you come up out of the lift and you see a special Silex. Now, you guys are both further than me, and you guys have already encountered this thing. I know who was in the Silex because the outline very much matches the person we've seen in the trailers. I figured you put that together. Yeah, it'll not be spoilers to say that it's clearly the Harbinger. There are a series of audio logs tied to it as well that explain how they opened it. Okay, I haven't listened to those yet. Oh, if you get those, they explain how they opened the the Silex and what they did and sets up a little bit, like, I haven't met the Harbinger yet, but it's set up a little bit of anticipation for it in, like, the relationship between her and the Banished. That's kind of curious to see. But every time you fast travel back to Outpost Tremonius after you've taken it, you respawn in front of it looking at this open Silex again and then you run back outside. So I thought that was an interesting touch that it's always reminding you that it's there. When I saw it, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, I thought it was like the entrance to a dungeon. I was like, oh, so like I went up to it and like so I was trying to use it as a door. Like, what do I got to do to like get in this, inside this thing? <laughs> I thought it was like a DLC to come. No, I just arrived at it, saw that the the neon light was a different color and went like, this is clearly a warning color. Like that's all the others were blue. This one is not blue. This is clearly like one you shouldn't have opened. But you went and opened it anyway. Like apart from that, this actual level running about killing everyone taking the fob fairly run of the mill did anyone have anything they wanted to call out i mean all all i would say is that going back to play it again just recently on heroic i didn't realize it was a mission like while i was playing the game i I thought it was like just you know something you were doing to like get to the next spot the cool thing that this does though and this is should be called out is it it does open the world brilliantly right so you come out of the, the caverns, um, you see the Silex, you go through, kill some grunts, and then, you know, the weapon opens the doors. And the way that opens, like, ugh, the feeling that that has and the music and, and all that sort of stuff. It's like, okay, now go play, right? It's, it's, such a, it's such a cool moment. There was a pretty cool Easter egg in this one, too. There are three activation panels, banished activation panels uh, around the outskirts. and. If you find all three of them, you get a little surprise uh, aerial missile attack on the base. Oh, no way. So you get a little a little missile barrage, which was really cool. I love that. Okay. I found some other things in the f- in further stages that w- that may have been like – that I like, this doesn't do anything. And I figured maybe that was a coordinated – like I need to hit more buttons. So that's cool. 
Yeah, yeah, because I, uh, yeah, I found I found two of them, and then I completed. I was like, you know, I don't really know what's going on with these. They haven't done anything, uh, enemies. And then I found the third one after exploring for data pads and whatnot. And then, yeah, I got a little missile barrage. <laughs> That's cool. I love it. Yeah. Anything else um, to mention, Aaron? Kind of this little tremonious open. It's like, like I said, it opens the world, which is cool. And you have you have like this broke this broken frigate right in this area, which is cool. I don't know. Anything else to, to mention? Not really with this one. Like I said, it's fairly standard. It shows you armor or you find Spartan cores. You find the armor lockers so you know like the collectibles you're looking for. The You've already found a couple of audio logs at this stage. So like it sort of it sets all that up and then I don't know. That's really it. Like you jump on the pelican and then you get your first taste of the open world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can explore a little bit around here, but I think there might be like a, a barrier, like an invisible barrier that you can't go past. It doesn't let you out of the area. I watched when Halo Cannon did his video for this. He grappled up onto the top of the destroyer. And until you unlock the open world, there's a there's a literal kill counter. Just you, you can jump up there, you can see enemies, but then it does the countdown from 10 and you die. I think... After you complete the tower, the tunnel opens up, and then at that stage, you can explore that whole area. But when he flies you to the tower, you're limited to the tower's little island, and then you get access to the other island after the tower, and then you can go wherever you like. I think there is a collectible, it won't be a spoiler to say, there is an item, I believe, on top of that destroyer if you go the whole way up to the top of it. Oh, okay. I think there's a data pad or something there. So like you can get the whole way up onto it and then out onto the world from there. Yeah. When I went back after beating the campaign, I could just zip around over there and there's an area up to the North that you get to, to once you unlock something that could fly, which is cool. All right. Well, let's talk about the tower then. So you get dropped off with the Pelican and obviously there's some more story stuff and there's a signal and you're introduced to forward operating bases, which is cool. Uh, I like those. Those are scattered throughout and they're not too hard to take over for the most part, but they're all a little unique. Like they have a little different combination of covenant and vehicles and all that sort of stuff. Um, but then you can, you know, call in your vehicle. You can upgrade the uh, weapon that you have based off of the valor that you have. Um, you've acquired by saving Marines and doing other things, which is great. Um, overall, the forward operating bases, you know, make sense. The other cool thing is that it, it all does kind of tie into that original ship. You know, when you're escaping in that first mission, uh, you're kind of grappling around. Like all those things in that giant room are like things in the world, right? Like they're, they're using those to build these outposts and the forward operating bases, which I think is a really cool tie-in. The signal itself, I thought was a little weird. Like it puts a little spot in your map that you have to get a forward operating base first. And then it has like a little, you know, diamond, like go here after you do that. But then there's nothing really there. You just have to kind of go up further up, up the road. And then, then that's when you see the tower and then you need to do all the tower stuff to get actually into the tower. Yeah. What did you think about that? That was there a difficulty spike there for you, Will? going like once you're in the tower and you're kind of clearing that out doing that that area. it felt like there was a lot of a lot of enemies there are you, are you talking like um once you're actually in the tower going through like the you're at the base before you do the grav lift that was interesting i found my way i think i died a few times in there 
but I found my way around the side of it and there's an extra little tunnel you can go through to get into the, the bottom of the tower, um, which was fun. And yeah, it was just, you know, slaying out enemies. I think I got sniped a few times, not realizing where the, the snipers are on the, on the different, uh, terminals or the different sides of the, the tower there. And yeah, it was, it was a little difficult, but, um, it was, it was fun, you know, getting that, uh, grav lift online and getting, getting inside. And then the eeriness of the inside of that tower, I thought was really well done. That's where you get the threat sensor. Cause you're going to use that later, which is cool. Yeah. Over like the just dark and yeah, it, it felt felt intense how did you go, how did you do Aaron in this mission the kind of the tail end here first time round like I said earlier uh, horribly much swearing lots of anger I have to admit though that like for the brief time that I knew Chacklock he made a good first impression like when he appears standing up on that side of the like torture device and he's talking to you and he like jumps down he's kind of like smooth and professional and cool like i i sort of thought you're an elite i would be curious to talk to like you seem interesting and then of course i had to just like kill the fuck out of him when i went back and did it on normal i survived much better i forgot that i had shock grenades so i used those at the start used the threat sensor i also brought a disruptor pistol and the the shock rifle with me as well so I used I used both of those as well as the crates around the wall. I learned pretty quickly that if you the shock like barrels that are on the dividers on the outside wall, if you're on top of that wall, he doesn't tend to lunge at you as much. So if you can like get a bit of if you get a little bit of height above him, he will shoot at you with his rifle, but he won't necessarily lunge at you and take you out with the the sword straight away. You know, that's something we didn't talk about is the coils. You reminded me. Were you guys chuck? I don't forget if there's coils in that room, but do you guys just every time you see a coil, do you grab it and chuck it? Everywhere. I am throwing them <laughs> all of the time. I'm I, Yeah, I'm finding myself shooting them a lot. And then if I need to, I will grab one and chuck one. Yeah. Every time I see like I'll be in a firefight, I'm like, oh, they're by a coil. Take out that coil and it causes a fun explosion. I love them for mainly jackals because you can just whip one up, fire it at their shield, and you know that that jackal is gone and that's it. You don't have to worry about them. I'm a little bit worse at throwing them at a distance. I haven't quite mastered the art of anyone that's more than about 70 feet away. I feel like I either throw it over their head and it disappears into the sunset or I like, <laughs> right. I'll aim too low and throw it at my feet and shock myself. Yeah, I do that a lot. <laughs> I haven't mastered that part yet. The one thing I did learn very quickly was do not hang on to your coil for too long in a firefight because someone will shoot it and kill you while it's in your hand. That's a good point. That was a learning experience the first time that happened. I'm just, I'm really curious what the banished were thinking, leaving these very explosive barrels laying all over the place. <laughs> right. This is the question you have for every video game. You're like, lads, maybe the red barrels should be somewhere safer and like not stored together. The like big versions of those coils that they have everywhere, like the big sort of tank version, you see those every now and again. You're like, I'm going to pick up this coil and I'm going to wing it at the bigger coil and then we're going to make a big boom. I I don't think I've done that. I've shot the bigger ones. I haven't thrown the, thrown the coil at the... You can chuck other stuff at them. The next thing I'm going to do actually is I need to go into the open world somewhere and start to gather them like a squirrel 
and like stack them together to see what happens. <laughs> I do feel like the vehicle or like the stuff that you place in the open world, you know, a lot of times this is a video game, I kind of expect it to disappear, right? So like if I land a Banshee, I don't want to go too far from the Banshee because when I come back, it might not be there anymore. But I feel like everything is kind of where I put it last. So it'll be interesting to see if you can do that. I, I'm actually curious about that too because I haven't tested it yet, but I feel like in areas where I've come across a warthog that parked up randomly and I take it and drive away with it, it doesn't respawn later. So I was like curious if I go and look for it, will I find it where I dumped it? That's something I might have to test later on when I'm playing. Something I've experienced, it, it does seem like you have a radius around Chief that because I've drove, driven a warthog somewhere, left it there, gone and done something, and I was kind of outside of a range, and only when it would save my game outside of that range is when the warthog would disappear on me. Oh, okay. So, like, if, if I went out of that range and came back without a save state happening, it would be there. But if the game saved on me and I came back, it would be gone. And that just happened a, a few times, not consistent enough to, like, be like, oh, yeah, that's exactly it. Do you know if that was a checkpoint save or like a hard save? Because there's there's difference. Like I've I've had moments where I'm playing a mission and I get a checkpoint save and then I quit the quit the game because I you know I'm done for that session. Come back in and I don't have my actual save there. My save is like a couple minutes before that point. Gotcha. No, I think it's just a normal like I'm walking around. The game's just gonna auto save for me. That's interesting. I guess that makes sense. Also, one or two last things I just want to call out. I do appreciate that when you go into a cutscene, you have the weapons that you had in your hand. I always hated that in some of the older Halos when you're like, I have my BR and I'm doing this. And then you go to the cutscene and Chief has his assault rifle again. You're like, no. And then it starts the mission and you're back with your assault rifle. And you're like, no, this is not what I wanted. Whereas it was when I got in the Pelican at Tremonius and I got out to take the FOB and I went, oh, I still have my battle rifle. This is cool. And that was fun. And then have you noticed this like graphical glitch that happens occasionally where Master Chief's hands start to ripple? No, I've not seen that. There are apparently there are like set points in the open world that must count as like, uh, you know, grid mark zero zero in the islands. And the further away you get from them, there's like some sort of weird funkiness that happens, but when you stand still and look at Chief's hands, you'll notice that they like undulate around the rifle. And the bits of the rifle that move, like the 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 bullet clip and that, they will also ripple. And then when you get back to whatever the center of the area is, it stops again. I think Digital Foundry went into it, but I just noticed it earlier. I happened to be up a mountain and I just stopped for a second to look at something. I was like, oh, Chief's gloves are like just rippling and <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> I do really appreciate the uh, having the weapon that you're holding in the cutscene. Like I was holding a mangler at one point. I wonder if you have like a grav hammer if that shows up or if it goes to your secondary weapon. That would be cool. I didn't see that show up at all. I know I had a shock rifle and I could see it on my back after I had killed a uh, chacklock. When he was standing there and he takes uh, the Spartan out of the device and that and talks to him and stands up again, you can see like the shoulder mount of the shock rifle 
sticking up out of his back. So I'm guessing if you had like a gravity hammer, it would be there or rockets like it would be on his back the whole time. Speaking of um, Jack Lock and the very end of that, this mission here, they have Spartan Griffin who is being tortured and you, you save him, but you don't save him. But I feel like that was a, a important moment to know like, oh, maybe there is hope. Maybe I'm not alone here on the, on the ring. You know, you're finding Marines, but the fact that I did find this one Spartan, maybe there are the other Spartans that I know of, right? Uh, in the larger Halo lore, maybe they're out there, right? So that was, I feel like that was a important moment. Any other takeaways, uh, Will, before we kind of close our, close her down? No, I think, uh, I think you guys went through most of it. Looking, looking back through my notes here, back in uh, the second mission, just the the narrative you get from you get a a, um, a little bit of like John's backstory too with some some voice lines and I think that was very important for for newer players to hear and kind of get the the tone of what the series has been in the past and and, and it's really setting us up for I think a, a good future with with Halo and I'm hoping we get more content as soon as possible because I can't stop. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I mean, I feel like the 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 playing progression for me now is, you know, go and get my weekly reward in multiplayer and then continue to like increase the difficulty on on campaign, right? So then I'm gonna go play my heroic and then probably take a deep breath and then start diving into legendary eventually. That's gonna be a slog, I feel like. I feel like the the, the scale it, it did seem like my, my normal playthrough was pretty easy it wasn't too bad you know like there were challenging parts i did die all that sort of stuff but then coming in through heroic i had to be a lot more careful um and it did seem like that it does scale in terms of more enemies at least that's my initial impression but um we'll find out yeah um, i think my plan moving forward is you know i did i played on normal i want to finish i want to just slowly step it up i'll do a heroic run and then finally get to that legendary run run when i'm ready <laughs> right exactly so what, what, I want to go around the room really quick and just talk about weapons really quick before we close it out. So Aaron, what's your favorite weapon in the campaign? Well, maybe one or two. So far, Disruptor and BR probably are the two I'm using the most. Disruptor, really? I barely use that thing. <laughs> I'm telling you, once you get that uh, high-value target Disruptor, it's fantastic for taking out tough enemies. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, what about you? I'm using the BR pretty pretty consistently, and then for ro- for free roaming around the ring, I like to have rockets with me. It just makes makes for a fun experience of you know if you do decide to go after a high value target, you got some explosive power. Um, I have found that there are a lot of like hidden sniper rifles on ridges above areas, so that so I'll I'll go in with. I'll go find a sniper, take my shots, pick up the rockets again, and then go into an area, which is just, it's fun to have that different type of combat and all in one one spot. So yeah, I would say BR rockets have been my go-to. Uh, BR is so good. Oh, I just love it so much. Every time I don't have the BR, I feel lost. I mean, I'm, I'm getting fairly competent with the other weapons, and there's a couple others that I like, but the BR is just so good. Going uh, Going back on what you said about weapons in multiplayer versus campaign, the Pulse Carbine is basically useless in multiplayer it doesn't track like it should it, it no one picks it up but in, in campaign it does wonders i i love it in campaign 
and it's nice because I mean, and that's kind of the difference between multiplayer and campaign. You already touched on it. It's like in multiplayer, everybody's moving all the time, right? Like you can't, nobody sits still. Whereas in campaign, you know, the grunts tend to stand still for a little while. <laughs> you can just, you can just shoot them in the head. I would say if, if you're playing through the campaign, take the time to listen to like the grunt voice lines that are out there. They are incredible. Yes. So good. They're funny and they have deep lore cuts, which is great. So if you pay attention to the lore, um, and I'd, I'd read somewhere just on Twitter, I think, um, one of the writers, Aaron Lind, um, along with Easterling and a, co- a couple of the other writers, he said that they, for the grunt specifically, the dialogue specifically, they wrote it in a way so that if you killed the grunt, like before he said his full line, it was still funny. Oh, sure. So like they more or less, you know, maybe it was a five second quip, but the, the first two and a half seconds would make sense. I thought, and they they had a good cutscene, uh, like posted on Twitter, a good clip on Twitter, that just showed that that exact same thing. So, they're very good. One line just I wanted to call out was when you get killed. Sometimes you'll get killed by an enemy, and I'll hear them shout, "What is that? It is that all it took?" And you're like, "You bastards! You know you succeeded here." <laughs> yeah, the taunting. My favorite one has been, or there's been two grunt ones that I've really enjoyed. They're, they've both been the, the, the grunts that have the plasma nades in their hands running at you. And one just yelled, remember me, as he came towards me. And then another, <laughs> one, another one was like, oh, I didn't mean to activate these. <laughs> it's, just, it's just great. I love it. I love it so much. They're so good. Yeah, and there's a ton of them, too. Like, there's so much dialogue in here. It keeps it fresh, which is good. The other weapon I wanted to call out uh, that I like, I like the heat wave. That's fun. Especially in the later missions, you guys will find out um, if you're not there yet. And then Cinder Shot. Oh, I love the Cinder Shot so much. I, I'm, I'm, I'm bad with it. Maybe that's why I don't have the love for it. It's just got that splash AOE, you know, explosion, which is comes in handy later on. All right, Aaron. Anything else you want to mention before we close her down? No, I think I'm good for now. I have to just go and play faster. Apparently. Yeah, man, get in there. No, you. Like I said, you. You enjoy it, man. We've been waiting for this thing for a while, so savor it, I'd say. Just don't go on social media and let anybody spoil it for you. That'd be bad news. Before we close it out, I want to say thank you guys for having me and letting me join in on the discussion here. I know it's probably weird having a multiplayer guy talk about campaign, but it's this this campaign really has made me kind of fall in love with the story again of of everything that's that's happened and is going on. So I I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll become a lore nerd after after this. I love to hear that. I mean, I feel like everything, for the most part, you know, like the Halo community can be grumpy and all that sort of stuff. But like, I feel like to the casual, this game is so good. It's going to bring a lot of people to the game. Um, and it's just going to be good for everybody, right? Like the lore is so good. We love it. And the multiplayer is great. It can be better. But there's a, there's a lot to find here for a lot of people. So hopefully more people can enjoy it. Aaron, why don't you take us out of here? Well, this isn't the only one. We're doing three of these. So I guess we should mention that. So we have three teams because we have such a big squad of of people many voices so we have a red team we have a gray team and then we are the blue team so we'll actually be getting three podcasts with different impressions and different thoughts so hopefully you guys enjoy that all right guys thank you for joining us all for the first of our infinite impressions hopefully there will be many 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 more to go and they live up to their infinite name you can find all of our episodes over on the website that's halopodcastevolve.com you can also search for the unique feeds for all of our shows there. If you want to listen to everything all in one place, just go to the main Podcast Evolved feed. 
we upload everything there, you can get all of it. Also, once again, special shout out to all of our patrons. You make everything we do possible. Go to patreon.com forward slash Halo Podcast Evolve to learn more about the rewards and benefits of becoming a patron. And finally, if you have thoughts on the first four missions or your introduction to Halo Infinite, you can leave us a voicemail. Give us a call at 205 Evolved, that's 205 386 5833. Leave your thoughts there and we will uh, probably read them out on the. We will play them on the next Infinite Impressions, I'll assume, if they're specifically about it. So feel free to drop us a line. Also, something I learned this week, I'm going to have to talk to Ian about it, but I was listening to the Giant Bombcast and they do a voicemail show and they discovered that you can also message the Google Voice number investigate that if you want i believe you can send picture messages and text messages if we can do that you can also send those to the voicemail number confuse ian that'll be fun (laughs) nice i love it and don't forget to check out hcs pro talk oh yes it is not here in the script we will have to shout at orin for not including that yes go over and listen to the guys will what would you like to pimp go on have a moment we're on social media. Just search for HGS Pro Talk, and then we're, we do a live show on Twitch, a uh, live podcast, usually every Monday at 7 p.m. Central. If you want to come, check us out live and say hi. Excellent. And with that, I have been your host, Aaron, and until next time, Evolved. Evolved. Evolved.